Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. Four years ago, Jason Dick and I spent a lot of time together at the Republican National Convention and the Democratic National Convention. And uh, because this is the week of the Republican National Convention and there really isn't a traditional Republican National Convention, I wanted to speak with Jason. He's been on the show many times. He was on our February 29th, 2020 marathon. And that seems like a very long time ago in a completely different world. Um, that's when things are a little bit better. Things are bad now. And that's why we have a Patreon account. Please make things better on our Patreon account. You could uh, donate to that at youmethemeverybody.com in the podcast description for each episode of the show. If you're listening to this on Spotify or on iTunes, just go to youmethemeverybody.com. Without further ado, Jason Dick, it's the Republican National Convention. I guess that's a thing going on. Four years ago, clearly not four years ago in August, but four years ago, uh, you and I were in the same city at the same time in the same place for the Republican National Convention and the Democratic National Convention because the Republic because the GOP is uh, in power. They go second this time. And so we are in the midst of the RNC. But unlike last time, uh, you and I are both in Washington, D.C. because we live here. <laughs> uh, do you uh, wish you were in. Do you, OK. I shouldn't ask if you wish it was the before times because we all wish it was the before times. But does any part of you miss the feeling of being at a political convention? Not really. Um, and, and and some of that is that I, I tested kind of myself last week because I actually um, I had scheduled to take some time off that week before the Democrats moved their convention from July to to last week and in, in Milwaukee. And and I kept it. And the reason that I had I scheduled the time off was that I was going to be um, dropping my stepson off at Hamilton College in upstate New York. And so uh, even though some of the COVID restrictions and so forth scrambled that, we kind of kept to that schedule. And, you know, everybody handled it just fine. I mean, I had people who, who filled in for me to edit the reporters who report to me. We, you know... I didn't feel like I was missing out. Now, part of that was that I, I, you know, was able to stay in this absolutely gorgeous, like, you know, mid-century motel, like facing Otsego Lake, uh, better known as Glimmerglass, uh, you know, in outside of Cooperstown. So that helped it being around in this incredibly beautiful part of the world. But like, I don't feel like I'm really missing out on being in Charlotte either this week. And I am working. Um, you know, part of it is that not all the delegates are there either, but it just... I mean, maybe it just, I've just reached a point where it's like, you know, like sometimes like some of these things, they're always just political trade shows. I mean, there's no real suspense in terms of who's getting the nomination. So some of it is that we're, we're catching up the sources. We're trying to make, you know, good stories out of things, but I don't feel like I'm missing out. I didn't feel like I was missing out until you brought up those, um, the trade show aspect. And now I really feel like I'm missing out, not just me, but the entire world is missing out because that's where I gained a lot of insight for what was going to happen over the next four years. And I wouldn't have gotten any of that by watching cable news or reading the newspaper or reading a magazine or reading a website. You had to be at a certain, certain place and none of that happened in front of cameras. Right. So well, a little, a little bit. I mean, I remember for me, you, for, for me you, specifically. Yeah. You, but you, you, I mean, you wrote, I think about, the Trump, you know, appearing as kind of the undertaker oh, yeah. uh, on, on like the second or third night of the, of the, that was of the, the first convention. Night when he made a surprise appearance. And I 
right. regret. That's one of my only regrets about my entire time in Cleveland was not screaming Undertaker when it happened. <laughs> but I mean, we, so it, that gave a very good clue about like the way that the next four years were going to go <laughs> under a Trump administration. Oh, sure. But the, the, the thing that I learned the most from it was Ted Cruz's campaign manager saying this is the last election and we probably won't win where you could only depend on the um, non-college educated white vote to win an election. And maybe so it depends on, on, on on who gets to vote. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But I've been thinking about that pretty consistently for the last four years and seeing who's going to pivot, who is pivoted. Literally no one has pivoted from uh, the 2016 platform. If anything, it's gotten more. We're only going to appeal to this one specific group, which is somewhat surprising but, it, but it's only somewhat surprising because logic would dictate that, but not reality. Does that make sense? Yeah, and also about the platform, the you know the the Republicans decided not to adopt a new platform; mm-hmm. that they were just going to kind of re up the last platform. Um, and 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 you know the new platform is like if anybody tries to bring up a new platform, it'll be ruled out of order. The only platform is supporting the president. And the, but what's great is that the 2016 platform has references to the current administration uh, is is dividing people. I mean, they're yeah. talking about you know the Obama administration, yeah. but it's it's this really. I don't, I I think it's unintentionally funny. I don't even know anymore. I I feel like I'm I'm caught in this like sort of meta political textual world where I don't even know what what's supposed to be funny and what isn't supposed to be funny yeah. and what's intentional and unintentional. So I'm just like, eh, we're I'm just going to, you know, we're in the post try, try to do world. my own thing. <laughs> what's that? We're in the post-comedy world. Do you remember what happened uh, right before the RNC and during the DNC? What, like, the big thing was at the time in, t- in 2016? Um, so... I'm trying to remember the exact piece of, you know, when the Access Hollywood tape was released. No, that was later. Or, that was yeah, later. That, Okay, that was, oh, that was after. That's right. Yeah, you're, um, it's, this is uh, Russia, if you're listening. Oh, yes. Yeah. So this yeah, is the start I mean, of uh, the Montreal, sorry, the, the Moscow screw job when it comes to wrestling parlance. This is where it started. Unfortunately, um, this time around, I, I, I'm not... I'm not trying to start a conspiracy theory. I don't think there was any thought uh, of what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, but it feels awfully like awfully sad and entirely expected that of course the RNC is going to start out with social unrest because yet another cop shot uh, a black man for seemingly no good reason. Seven times in the back in front of his kids. And now here's the RNC. You know what I mean? Right. It seems like it was too perfect not for it to happen now. Well, it, I mean, and also like, you know, like it's hard. I haven't watched, you know, I mean, there is no real gavel at this point, but I I haven't watched everything, but you know, it, it was, it was hard to not, it was hard to escape, uh, you know, Kimberly Guilfoyle, who, you know, was Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend, you know, her, her uh, speech, to the you know, to the convention, which was pre-taped and at the Mellon Auditorium here in Washington D.C. a couple days ago, and it was almost like, I mean, I was watching it and I was like, I this is the whole thing of like, I is this who is this for? Yeah. I don't, I don't, it, it, I don't get who it's for, and it's it, it's almost like a weird, like, like Hunger Games. Um, <laughs> 
you know, uh, mm-hmm. just like kind of political drag show kind of thing, like where it's just so vampy. And I'm like, this can't be like nobody can take this seriously, right? But yes, people do take it seriously. Um, That's why I, mean, I think it, Ted Cruz's campaign manager is going to be wrong for a second term because if <laughs> no, because if the Donald wins on this, um, he's just locking it in. And what? Well, and for he even him? said what? What? One of the things that you had predicted, which that he would either see, uh, he would serve, um, yeah. Less than one term or twelve years, and he then he joked about that. Although was it a joke? Who knows? Yeah, that was when the he made day his, after the election. My prediction. Yeah, his his surprise visit to the convention on Monday in Charlotte was that you know he egged on the crowd in this you know kind of like very sterile you know meeting room where the convention roll call was going to happen. It's like chant, don't chant four more years, chant twelve more years. It'll drive them, meaning yeah. anyone with sentient thought i guess uh crazy it's kind of great i'm like it's it's tough to find the humor when there's a day an every other day 9-11 death toll but yeah like give credit where credit's due that's pretty hilarious i mean it it's I, I feel like it's also just like a dare. It's like, okay, I got to yeah, exactly. That. Like I'm going to do something else. Like, I, you know what? Like, let's not just have, um, let's not just have a sitting cabinet secretary, Mike Pompeo speak to the convention. Let's send him to Israel and yeah. beam in from there. Yeah. Like let's, let's just, you know, let's just see how much shit we can like violate and, and like, who's going to come after me, come at me, bro. Like well, what means Mitch McConnell any- has like installed all these judges and they'll just rule it out of order. So exactly. whatever. So maybe this is a pointless conversation. Maybe this is the most important conversation ever, but it sort of does feel like what even matters anymore and not what is real. We all know what we, I think we could agree. At least you and I could agree on what is actually happening, what we're seeing with our eyes. Right. And the right. narrative is that's being presented is not at all factual. Doesn't matter because that's the narrative that the the RNC has chosen to, to progress. Good for them. I don't believe it. I would say the majority of Americans believe it. Will the majority of Americans come out and vote? What's interesting that what's I think going to be interesting is if some way I guess it's not even interesting because you're right. I'm just thinking of the judges now. Like there's no way Trump wins but the Senate and the House are go down it's just not possible is it i i mean who who knows i mean certainly the polls like show that he's he's down in every like you know way that we measure public polling i mean the house will more likely than not stay democratic Mm -hmm. democrats might even pick up a few seats because i mean far from being on offense they're actually showcasing some of their incumbents who might be in trouble like dan crenshaw you know who's in like you know the the houston suburbs and is like an you know a navy seal and war hero and it's like they're a little worried about him (laughs) like whether he might you know have a tough race and so forth so i think the house is still going to be democratic i mean the the senate is still like who knows right i mean like these things tend to come in waves sure when you when you have like a bunch of races that are close they usually break all one way and it it's pretty easy to see how democrats get the majority but i i didn't expect that like there would be this sort of weird confluence in 2016 in particular where the democrats would would have like a bunch of like kind of bad candidates hold on you didn't <laughs> and, expect that 
Well, I mean, so, you know, you know, in, in, they, they had good candidates in red states who lost and they had bad candidates oh, I in see. I see. swing I see. states and blue states who lost. And so it just, again, it all sort of went one way. And, mm. and, but even though like historically you would expect that, you know, the, even though the popular vote went against Donald Trump, that the Democrats would kind of pick up a few things, but they, you know, they did not get control of the Senate and that led, you know, Mitch McConnell to realize he could go hog wild. <laughs> um, and here we are, you know, a couple of years later. Um, so I, I, the Supreme Court thing is so is so good because if you just keep challenging everything to get to the Supreme Court and it ties up things for years, you're just going to do whatever you want indefinitely. Even if you lose. In the exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to think if anything, if you think anything will be different a year from now in general. Um, I, so in the event that like, let's say there is a democratic sweep that okay. Joe Biden wins, that the Democrats take back the house and Senate, like the Republicans are very good at being the opposition party. Mm-hmm. They're, they're better at it actually than being in in <laughs> in power i think uh because they're, they they tend to concentrate a little better when when they can oppose something as opposed oh, to hundred articulate. Yeah. <laughs> i agree so much right now and and so i don't know what that's going to be like i mean you know when when i think about the like what would have happened like if hillary clinton had won i mean obviously th- like the world would be very different, but I think that that she would have been absolutely embroiled in a number of scandals because of, you know, you know, the Republicans would bring up any number of things that they could sort of zero in on, uh, which the Democrats have done to to Trump, you know, and so I, I just I I think it will be a little different. I mean, I, the, who knows? I mean, in the event that there is some sort of Democratic sweep, I think that a lot of it is going to be like, all right, everybody, I mean, Biden will probably realize, okay, everybody's got to chill out. And what he'll have to worry about is like the people who are like, no, we probably only have two years. <laughs> so we have to, like, see, we, have to see, we have to do everything. So, I, I mean, I think that it'll, it'll, the dynamics will be different, but I think that there might be more getting done. Okay. Let's say uh, Trump wins. The Senate stays the Senate. Uh, which is Republican, but barely, and the House stays Demo. Then, then I think that we do see a lot of the same kind of dynamics here. I mean, the House can do whatever they want. They can, you know, subpoena Pompeo and, you know, DeJoy, the, the Postal Service and so forth, and harp and impeach the president, and it won't matter. Yeah. Because, Let's say that yeah. we have a Florida 2000 situation where this goes until December or January. Yep. What do you think happens then? Um, I mean, it, it, at that point, I, I would assume that it's because, you know, there, there's enough of a dispute that the president can like sue mm-hmm. and, and, and tie things up. I think that he would eventually, I'm guessing, you know, again, this is all hypothetical, right? He would probably always, you know, like lose as he typically has done in court, but then everything gets so like screwed up in terms of like, you know, is so-and-so a legitimate president yeah. and so forth. I mean, like, you know, when, when we've had these, 
we've had these issues in the past. I mean, you know, the last time we had it in 2000 in Florida, like Al Gore, like conceded. And he said, like, we got to move on. And also like Bush, George W. Bush, who won the election. I mean, he had a Republican House and Senate who acquiesced and, and, and so like, cool, awesome. That's great. And then they started passing tax cuts and so forth. And also they had a kind of a demoralized and decentralized democratic opposition. Um, I, I can't help but think that if there's some kind of like democratic sweep, even under, under a contested election, that you would still have like a more concentrated kind of resistance from republicans that would just make things very difficult it's a really uh, in, good in point it's a really good point uh does any over the last uh however long you've been doing what you're doing has any part of you wanted to get out of politics yeah no i mean i in particular um the last <laughs> the last few months sure <laughs> i mean just being honest like it's um it and it and it's not because of anything that has to do with my own political leanings. It's just that it's exhausting. Sure. And and um and I I think that I'm okay, you know, that but but sometimes I just get kind of down. And, oh yeah. And it and it's really hard and you know, because of what's going on with like, you know, the pandemic and and so forth, it it's tough. But I'm also like in this weird stage of life where I'm middle-aged and, you know, my stepson just left home to go to college. And, you know, I, I mean, one parent is dead. The other is, you know, having her knees replaced <laughs> um, and is, is healthy, but like, you know, I'm like, all right, is there something else out there? Mm-hmm. And I usually come back to like, actually, this is just what I do. I mean, like I'm, I'm good at it and I'm, I mean, I know, like, I know how to do it professionally. And like, this is, you know, just like a, a person is a, um, you know, a, any, any other kind of like trade, skilled trade. I mean, like, this is my trade, mm-hmm. but it's been tough the last few, like, months. Um, it, it, it's been kind of depressing. How and much do you think you could tack that up to just COVID related issues? I think a lot of it. Yeah. I think a lot of it. I mean, it it, it is, it, you know, it, it's a, you know, and I, and it's weird saying this because I, I'm like, I'm one of like the fortunate ones, right? Like I, I, I've, I'm employed. I'm, you know, I, I have a, a job that is, I think important, you know, to, to like do things that like represent like what's going on publicly and so forth. So I feel kind of like weird about it, but it's also just like, it just wears on, on me a little bit. And, you know, I think that, you know, some of this may be the post vacation blues, you know, sort of settling in because where, you know, where I went in this last week in Cooperstown, it, I mean, there are politics there. There are plenty of like political signs. There are more local political races Hmm. than national ones. I mean, I did see some Trump Pence signs and, you know, I drove through Scranton and saw some Biden signs and so forth. But it, but a lot of it was just like for people for like the, you know, the the village of Cooperstown elections and the New York legislature or the New York assembly and so forth. Um, You know, it's, it just wasn't as all consuming as it is. Um, in in washington and and in a in the kind of position that that uh you know being in a a political journalism like 
you know career has but it it, it was like wow like not, this is not everything to, to people here there, there's a little bit more to life here um you know, you, and, and back in the maelstrom i know right? that you're <laughs> like the the this is a company town and you work for the company essentially but uh due to covid you don't go to the office correct right you know i'm working remotely is that going to be indefinite um so so far we're we've been told that minimum it would be january um i have my doubts you know like i mean obviously sure. if there was a vaccine and and like if, if it was if there was some sort of way to keep things safe then i think that uh you know i could see going back in after january but i i don't even know about that because you know again the, the not not to just talk about like the stepson but like he's you know, he's at a small college mm-hmm. and they have like a very rigorous testing protocol everybody gets tested tested a couple times a week everybody had to quarantine before they showed up to campus they had to have two negative tests before they got on you have to wear a mask on campus like i mean it's just like a very they really have their stuff together there and i think that depending on where you work and in what kind of like setting i mean like the you know the buildings that we work in like for the last few years before the pandemic hit everything was about like stuffing people in mm-hmm. as close as possible for a quote unquote collaboration. It was really just to save money on real estate mm-hmm. costs. Right. Um, but the open office, you know, space was the big rage in corporate circles. And now it's like, this could kill people. Yeah. And so people are trying to desperately trying to figure out what to do about this. And who knows, like if they were going to be able to, if, you know, people are going to be able to renegotiate leases and, and figure out how to make things safe. Um, I mean, I was just noticing, like, you know, I, I'm as as you are. I'm a basketball fan, and I was watching some of the NBA playoffs. Mm-hmm. And even in like the studio where you would expect, um, you know, some of the 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 pundits like Charles Barkley and Shaq and and Kenny Smith and so forth to to be tested and to know who's safe. Like, they have plexiglass screens set well, up. That's also that's also um, for morale. That's like. Right. The NBA has tested more than any other league. The it's so impressive. It's so amazing. They're going to save all of us. But um, yeah, no, the, they really are because they yeah. invested in like testing, like yeah. saliva testing. I mean, they put down seed money. They acted as a venture capitalist for God's sake. So <laughs> they don't need to do all the plexiglass stuff. That's just to show maybe hey, you're at home. Maybe consider this because it's a real deal. We're all in this bubble. We would like to see our family, but can't. You should try to do the minimum. I think it's just posturing. Uh, in a very good way. Yeah. But yeah. And no, it, it, it really, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about too, that even in the, the, like the New York studios where like mm-hmm. Shaq and, and Barkley and those guys are like pontificating they're they have masks on and, and plexiglass, you know, I mean, it. and it's just like, yeah, this is the way to do it, I guess. I mean, it's, it's, um, so, and I don't know what like the office will look like. I don't know what, you know, my office or other people's office will look like. And as long as we can, like, do this safely, I think also owners have an incentive because they don't know what the liability oh, is. Oh, sure. Like, you know, like, you know, I, I've been out, you know, like, and and gone out to eat with friends and so forth, like, um, going outside and so forth, and you know, actually, uh, my wife Fawn and I we went to a drive-in movie theater in, oh, nice. in uh, Palatine Bridge, New York, uh, the last week, and. 
you know, it, it was about probably about as safe a place as you could possibly get. But like when I went to go take a piss, I thought about it. You know, yeah, I was sure. like, you know, this is like every every interaction like that is is sort of like brings up an anxiety. And I think that most like workspaces, if they don't have to deal with that, they're not going to. Of course. Uh, the reason why I ask about the workspace is because uh, you still have a place in Arizona. Is that correct? Yes. Has there been any yes. talk of just working from there indefinitely? Um, there hasn't been up to this point because of the, of the stepson. Exactly. But now that he's gone, now that he's in his bubble. Right. I, I think it's probably a little ways off and, and there's a couple of reasons like one, um, like it'd be nice. I mean, we're, we're six hours away or seven hours away almost from Hamilton and where he is, but that still seems closer than if we were in Arizona. Sure. Uh, and also, like, there's the added benefit, too, of, like, Fawn's parents are up in Cooperstown, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, we can see them. And then there's, like, you know, eventually you and I are going to drink a beer together sure. in D.C. But here you know, like, our, like our, our friends, are a lot of our life is here. I understand that. I understand yeah. that completely. But you could have a life out there. Anybody could have a life anywhere. And they could yes. still cover what they had at one point loved, and maybe they would feel better about it because they wouldn't be in this specific bubble and they would be in a different type of... Some might call it more real. I don't think it, it's a real versus fake thing. It doesn't matter. It's just a different right. setting might just be nice. No, it, it is. I mean, I think that where... I mean, where my house is in Cottonwood, Arizona is is so isolated, I would be hesitant to go there even though i grew even though i grew up in that house it's more like a cabin that became a permanent house mm-hmm. as opposed to a a home you know where Understood. people were supposed to live like i i think that it's it, it's one of those things like i mean it, i'm grateful that it's in the family and and that it's a part of my life but it's not like I could just go there and and it'd be a turnkey thing and like a cool, this would be awesome. Yeah. I still feel more at home here, even though parts of Washington can, uh, can drag me down a little bit. <laughs> well, DC's doing a pretty good job when it comes to taking this seriously. And because of that, uh, most things are still closed. And if you, if they're not closed, it's a little awkward to go there. Like it, you feel like you're doing something wrong. Like I have not been out to eat, yet i have not been to a bar i mean bars are closed right like i don't even i don't even think about that stuff anymore i I just i don't know when i'll feel all comfortable doing pretty much anything yeah i and i have been gingerly stepping into it like i i didn't want to do anything that would jeopardize um the quarantine situation calling for you know from like my stepson Mm -hmm. you know but once once he left um, and was quarantining up there and I went up and, and met them after he was there, you know, I, I actually, I went out to a couple places and, um, with, with actually some, some friends that, uh, that, that, you know, were, they're mutual friends, Amanda Becker and set the 19th and, uh, and, and Noah Black. And I, I went out to, you know, to dinner a couple of times and it was, it was a mix yeah. of like places like the the first place we went um you know liberty uh, or liberté tavern in, in georgetown which is the, the old ruth chris steakhouse mm-hmm. uh in in georgetown was like everything was set up very nice like tables all you know more than six feet apart like food was good like 
very every you know everybody was masked everybody was totally cool about everything and i felt very safe and that was my first time eating out out and it was all outside oh okay and then the the next time i went out i went to jackie in uh at navy yard and that was fine until it started to rain Mm. and then everybody like took shelter where we were sitting and they were just not like yeah you know like social distancing and so it, it you know it's been kind of a mixed bag like um Fawn and I a couple times we've gone to wineries which are like you know that's that's typically a lot of space because they're on farms yeah and so they then those are you know if you go like hour you know out out of town you can find a place that where there's a lot of space and outside and outside feels safe to me but i have not been in into an inside establishment aside, aside from just going to the grocery store and, and things like that. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I don't know when I'll feel okay. And I unfortunately think that this election has so much to do with when I'll feel okay. Yeah. And, and, and that's not isn't a good it, feeling. Yeah. And isn't it weird too? I mean, like, I mean, you and I more than most people I know, like we love to, to go to be in bars and, yeah. and and places like that. I mean, like we're we're people who you know we would be you know I, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to be British. You know, if, if the when the pub is mm-hmm. is so much a part of, a part of your life because I feel like that that's as I'm I would be very comfortable with that yeah kind of life and and it's cut off from us now and it's and it's weird and we're all still adjusting. You know? Oh yeah, and I'm not saying that like. I'm mad at the city for not opening the bars. I wouldn't go if they were open today. Like it's not about that whatsoever. It's about health. Yeah. yeah, No, no, totally. Totally. I, and I, you know, like today I got kind of pissy because I was, you know, I had a, I I just needed to get out of the house. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, I went for like a nice long walk this morning and yes, it was hot and gross and everything, but like around five o'clock, I I just wanted to go and like shoot some baskets. And there's this like school, that's a couple blocks away and and usually nobody is on the basketball court and it's a nice court it's been recently resurfaced and so forth and i got there and it was like there was it was chained up and it said like upon order of mayor bowser the the dcps like basketball courts and tennis courts are closed because of covid19 and i was like you know this is actually this makes no sense because like the parks and rec playgrounds are all open under phase two. I mean, you just have to like limit the number of people. Mm-hmm. And, and I just got really like, you know, pissy about it because that's just, weird just, because the ones over here are open. I, I have a feeling that my local elementary school, which is Payne elementary on 15th mm. and C is there. They are very quick to put the chains up. I mean, like, there have been a number of times when they've just like gone up and, and kept, they, they have this like affinity for locking the community out of their facility. That's even more though likely. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't know what it is. It's like this, this very unfriendly kind of situation, but like, cause anytime that they're open and they are open, they have been open like quite a bit during the pandemic, you know, people play tennis. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a tennis court and there's a playground and there's a basketball court. And one of the, few things that we do kind of know is that you can you can be outside and it's a lot safer even in a crowd than if you're inside yeah and and like if you if you're if people are all on the same page you can play tennis with somebody and you can be on a playground and you know just don't like you know 
go to somewhere somebody's spit and like rub your eyes like, totally. you, just, you know don't, don't be an idiot about it but like or and a I just small don't, child right <laughs> and i don't i just so i just don't get it and and I, maybe that's part of like the whole pandemic like i'm kind of grumpy about <laughs> Well, for about good reason about life <laughs> life and everything the... um, but I, I i also like i worry about it because i'm like i really don't have any reason to complain like i have not i'm not i haven't suffered you know like in in the in the same way that people like have i mean like I, it, it has been you know this has been an inconvenience in my life but there, i haven't like endured what other people have in in terms of like the economic hardship or the, the mourning, you know, like of, of, you know, loved ones and so forth. I mean, like it's, it, I feel, you know, like kind of shitty complaining about it, but it, I just wanted to shoot some baskets today. Yeah. That's, that's what it came down to. <laughs> it's one of those things where how many more of these things, these small things will make you consider just leaving the country? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's beside the point because no one will take us. I know, but here's here's the thing: isn't Cooperstown, isn't aren't certain places in Canada a lot closer to the stepson than DC? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Montreal is like four hours away. Yeah. Uh, doesn't Montreal sound pretty cool? They have the Canadians and formerly the Expos and poutine and French. It, it I. I'd be lying if I said I hadn't thought about it. I mean, particularly because I have family in Canada, in, on the other side of Canada, in, in uh, um, Alberta. But could um, they get you in? <laughs> probably not. They're uh, um, they're like in the. They actually spend more time, I think, in Arizona than they do. So in, swap in it. You're Alberta. now the Canadian, and they're now <laughs> American. I don't know. Like I, I complain about the winters here. I don't know if I could handle. Uh, yeah, they're not cold enough. I want to be in Canada. <laughs> like it, it's probably the only thing that comes approximates a Chicago winter, right? <laughs> it's not. The winters in Chicago aren't that bad. It's. Not, I think Buffalo's got it way worse. Or no, Minneapolis has got it way worse. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago's I, I, not what, bad. What, one thing that I didn't I didn't see until like I just really looked on it on a different map because you know like the way that we look at maps mm-hmm. is so different now is that when so when we went to, when we were up there and we went to Utica to to do some shopping I had to return a rental car um, in in Utica we did some shopping at this like cool Polish grocery store and and go, it was like oh my god like this is north of Boston yeah (laughs) like i mean that's why it's so cold here that's Mm -hmm. that's why it's it's like the the winters are so brutal and also why it's only like 70 degrees right now so if you had to return Uh, a rental car in utica i'm assuming you flew no no no. i i so fawn and and oliver went up uh at the beginning of august because they were worried about uh quarantine from new york not not just the hamilton quarantine but like the quarantine that new york would impose on dc because dc's yeah, their their caseload was rising, so they're like, we need to go there now, and so then the plan became, all right, I'll we got off the list, but I was like, I'll wait until like the day, you know, that he reports to Hamilton to 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 go up there. So I just drove, like, because my because the because the truck I owned died. It, this is a fami- this is a familiar story, yeah. right? Um, if we have a buffalo gun, we should uh, shoot it up, like in the the classic 70s movie rancho deluxe uh <laughs> where jeff bridges and sam waterston shot up a terrible car with a buffalo gun i'm right re- i'm at that stage with my truck so yeah I, I i drove a nissan versa 
to uh, to Cooperstown and then dropped it off in Utica. Fun. No, not at all. Like it, it's a terrible car <laughs> to rent, and and it was not fun finding the uh, the Utica rental drop off. It is not like um, a normal just like drop drop your keys off at the airport. <laughs> How was uh, traveling through those states? Because I recently had to travel through Ohio in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania was fine. Ohio was a nightmare. Indiana was horrible. Illinois is fine. How was uh, how was traveling for you? Um, it's more for me. It was more stressful about um, just having to deal with the trucks on Got it. on inter- Interstate eighty one. Uh, on on the way back, uh, when we stopped at a rest area just south of Wilkes-Barre in in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, all this was a weird thing. All of the people using the rest station were wearing masks, but none of the employees had Weird. masks on. And they're state employees, and it's a mandate. You have to wear a mask. There's signs everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, this is just bizarre. You know? Yeah. We don't deserve <laughs> um, the MBA. I mean, it's just nuts. So uh, there's a few more nights of the RNC. You Do you have to watch? I I pick my spots. I'll watch okay. a couple things, but we actually have a designated watcher, like okay. kind of like a designated hitter slash designated sure. runner from the '70s, where the A's had a designated runner. Herb Washington, I think his name was. Um, yeah, so there, so Herb Jackson is our designated watcher tonight, at least. And uh, you know, we're we, I, I look at the transcripts because they released the transcripts mm-hmm. about an hour or two before. And we can usually tell pretty quickly, like, um, this doesn't have a lot of substance. And yeah. when you don't even adopt a platform, it makes it very easy. <laughs> Did you get to go? To, uh, you were in Cooperstown. Was Cooperstown open? Yes, it was. So they had uh, t- they did timed uh, visits for the Hall of Fame. Uh, the Fenimore Art Museum was open. And uh, the, the Farmer's Museum, where the Cardiff Giant is uh, buried, uh, was also open. And Did you go to any call. of those? No, no, I didn't. I, I, I mean, that was one of the things I'm still not super comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And the last, I mean, I was, I was, I visited the hall a couple years ago, oh, okay. and, and you know, so I've seen it before, and mm-hmm. and and the, the museum, and I, I like it. Um, but we we spent almost all of our time when we when we did something going outside. So like. Um, we we met Fawn's parents at the Omegong Brewery, and because it was oh, like Disneyland, cool. well, and it was like so there was so many people out. We we're like, you know what? Let's go across the road to the Red Shed Brewery, which is actually still owned by local businesses. Omegong that is now owned by Duval, mm-hmm. um, and it's fine. I mean, like local boys done good, right? I mean, like Omegong is good beer and it's awesome, but it was just like packed. It yeah. was it really. It was like a beer hall in Germany kind of packed. So we just went across the street to the Red Shed and it was great because there like there's plenty of space. And I think the the Red Shed is this uh brewery, local brewery that they were originally uh they have two uh brew spots and one is like kind of on the on the east side of Seagull Lake. But they opened this up because quite literally just to be the overflow for Omega. It's so smart. <laughs> it's awesome. So smart. And they're playing better music too, you know. So I, I was like, "This is this is great." So that was kind of like our our thing. Like, you know, there at one point, I I did venture into um, there's a shop uh, in on 
the the main street uh you know most of the shops are named after like players and so this one is mickey mantles and they, but they have a lot of minor league stuff and so i was uh you know just i, I went in there masked everybody else was masked and i you know i, just, I bought like a couple of packs of expo trading cards oh nice <laughs> Uh, now that you're back in DC and you don't have to worry about getting a kid to college, uh, is there anything uh, that you're looking forward to in COVID time, or it, everything's been ruined by COVID? I mean, everything is ruined by it, but like I, I mean, I'm, I'm very, um, I'm, I'm very dedicated. I think to trying to do as many like things that affirm my humanity and can give me some joy as I can and as safe. And so like tomorrow, um, Capitol Books has uh, reopened their appointment um, shopping thing where you can go in for like 55 minutes at a time. And so I'm like, Fawn and I are going to go do, do that tomorrow. That's and, nice. Yeah. And, and we're just like, you know, we're going to figure out times to like visit with like, you know, you know, you and, and our friends, Megan and Chris and in, you know, like, and, and just figure out things that are like fun and safe and, and so forth, because it's just, that's the thing that will get us through this is like being, being safe, figuring out like what kind of risk tolerance you have and, and just doing the things that remind you of what it's like to be a human being. 